Welcome to Sons of Science, a series of podcasts organized by UCOP, the European trade body for small and medium-sized companies active in pharmaceuticals and medical technologies. My name is Laurent Louet, and I'm Senior Manager at UCOP, and I will be the host for today's episode. Before we go on, please make sure to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social media or on our website www.ucoop.org to receive the latest updates. We will discuss today the recent developments in the field of advanced diagnostics, and we will see which added value they bring to the EU health systems and the challenges to overcome to support a European advanced diagnostics ecosystem. We are joined today by two experts in the field, Benjamin Gannon and Matthias Olsen. Ben, you are Head of Market Access and Policy International at Goddard Health, and you have with you a long experience in um, licenses at the European policy level. Hello, Ben. Good, uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, um, Laurent, <laughs> wherever you are in the, uh, in the internet today. <laughs> Matthias, you are Policy Officer at UCOP, and you are leading the work of the Diagnostics and uh, Genomics Working Group at UCOP. Hi, Matthias. Hi, Laurent. Thank you so much for introducing me. Uh, I have to say I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit nervous when you introduce me as an expert, but I do have the immense pleasure of working with these companies that are developing these very, um, very innovative and exciting technologies. And uh, it's a thrill to be here today. All right. Thank you very much. Um, so, well, thanks a lot again for being with us today. And maybe before we deep dive into the topic, um, let's start from the beginning. Matthias, um, what are advanced diagnostics and, and how are they different uh, from what we have seen already? Basically, uh, advanced diagnostics, um, <clears throat> we compare them to some of the, the existing uh, diagnostics already established here in Europe in, in the, uh, the um, healthcare systems. While these new, uh, new advanced diagnostics, new genomic testing techniques, they're sort of emerging and, and just now coming into, into existing. And they're very highly innovative. And, and where uh, there's a, an existing system in place, um, existing laboratories, infrastructures, and, and established technologies, they, these new these new advanced diagnostics, they require the building of innovative bioinformatics infrastructures to, to really handle the vast amounts of information that they generate and, and to process it. And then uh, compared to these, these traditional techniques, like I said, you have more information. Uh, so perhaps you would get information about a, a, a single indication. Now you have information about multiple indications. And, and really advanced diagnostics, they're just, just disrupting these existing paradigms that we have of of, of value of, of diagnostics, the, the utility of the, uh, diagnostics and, and the adoption needed of these diagnostics. That's great, Matthias, and, and I agree with you. I think that, um, you know, I mean, especially with the the recent, well, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, we have seen that, um, you know, um, diagnostics ha has taken, you know, they really have taken a big role and an important role in, in our healthcare systems. But um, maybe, Matthias, you can um, further develop and, and point out um, to our um, audience the benefit of advanced diagnostics and, and, and also maybe in which uh, therapeutic area, um, you know, but also the benefit they can bring to society maybe as well at large. Yes, thank you. So, so we have great. We have spent a great deal of time just uh, thinking about what what are what are the benefits of these um, these technologies. And I would say there are 
uh, quite some. Um, we, we we tried to put all of this down on, on paper and and we couldn't fit it on a single page. It came several several pages uh, because we really wanted to to uh, increase the understanding of of how these these technologies are are beneficial not only to patients but also to the healthcare systems and 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 to wider society. So when it comes to patients, I would say the the the, the perhaps the most obvious. Uh, answer is of course, uh, like I said earlier, and uh, that these uh, these uh, technologies they really allow us to to gather a vast amount of data uh, about the disease, um, which then allows uh, allows us to then tailor the treatment options. So genomics they reveal uh, prognostic markers that can indicate how a disease may develop, and then that um, indicates the correct treatment, or you can do pharmacogenomic testing that uh, then predicts uh, how a person will um, react uh, to a specific medication, or perhaps then you can then tailor the dosage as well for a specific genetic makeup. So this really allows you to, to tailor the the, the treatment and in Lux, what we often refer to here as uh, personalized medicine or precision treatment, we can tailor the the, the, the medication and, and the treatment dosage uh, specifically to this uh, patient based on their uh, the, the information that we have about their uh, genetics. Now, another very important benefit of advanced diagnostics to patients is what we like to refer to as the value of knowing. Now, this is the, just knowing the risks and chances that are associated with your disease and how this then enables you to engage in informed decision making, such as uh, planning a family or adhering to your treatment or following some sort of preventative measures. Now, this value of knowing, we, uh, we looked at different um, studies and some of these show that uh, it actually has the potential to increase your quality of life and and reducing the mental burden of disease for patients due to this sense of, of increased personal control. When it comes to the uh, healthcare systems, the focus is a uh, slightly different, uh, but we also we saw numerous benefits. So overall, uh, these advanced diagnostic tests they um, reduce the need for sort of trial and error approaches because the way that they function, they of course cover, uh, a vast, they gather a vast amount of information, which then allows uh, the consolidation of genetic testing into a single test, which um, streamlines and, and reduces the costs uh, associated with uh, testing. Also due to the way that these tests are, are, are carried out and collected, you don't necessarily need to then go back again to the patient if you need another test. You can then use and rerun the, the, the same uh, test sample that you already have. Also then on, on, on the uh, output side uh, of the equation, when you look at the what the effects of introducing advanced diagnostics are, they would uh, allow for less trial and error approaches in, in medicines, which means that just by, by having more information about how a patient is likely to react to it or to a given medicine or what type of personalized treatment one could apply, there will be much fewer adverse events and and overall less dispensing of medicines or the treatments that uh, might have been uh, ineffectual for that given patient. Maybe I could jump in, I, and I apologize, I've got a slightly uh, slightly uh, uh, strange connection this uh, during this podcast. So in, in very, perhaps in very simple terms, um, if we think about, if we think about everyone talking about personalized medicine or pre 
precision medicine and, and, and what that means. I would say that uh, molecular diagnostics uh, are a very important component of that and arguably are the gatekeepers to uh, the success of um, widespread adoption of um, more personalized medicine, more personalized care uh, for, for healthcare systems um, across, across, across the region. And, and, um, and this group that's come together to, to develop a position and, and, uh, and some engagement around advanced diagnostics are, are those companies working in molecular diagnostics. And this is, this is understanding the genetic basis of a, of a, of a condition, but more, more, more than that, it's uh, when we talk about genomics, it's understanding how those, uh, how that genetic basis then translates into um, uh, into the into the development of the condition over time, and how different treatments will 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 impact on the on the course of that course of that condition. So very simply, if we think about if we think about this space, advanced diagnostics, uh, molecular uh, genetics, advanced diagnostics help you to understand the risk of, of uh, the risk of developing a condition they can help you understand how the condition will develop over time the aggressive nature or condition uh, the prognostic uh, status and uh, and very excitingly um, uh, and, and where there is a lot of focus on on uh, on research but also clinical adoption is uh, is on treatment selection thank you ben and, and thank you so much yes and um, indeed as you said ucop has published a paper on with cra on on the on the on, on basically the, a little bit the, the market failures if you want for the advanced diagnostics and maybe Ben um, I, I can ask you I mean, what is the reason why these therapies are not more more widely available in Europe um, if you if we compare to other similar regions in the world thanks Laurent I think there are many there are many reasons one is purely the speed at which the the, the research the research is advancing and I think the the life cycle in diagnostic innovation is um, perhaps less understood or it's a lot perhaps a lot shorter than uh, than the life cycle in in, uh, in in pharmaceuticals and so whilst we might be discussing a diagnostic technology today uh, that is that is becoming available in a lab in the United States or in another part of the world that can rapidly be updated for example in the in in how the bioinformatics work to support additional understanding of mutations over a period of months or a couple of years and so and if we think about regulatory and reimbursement cycles and, and timelines in Europe we know that they they work at a slightly slower pace um, so that's that's pace of innovation the other piece is, is around the methodologies which are being used to appraise uh, value. And, and, and we have a lot of experience from UCOP in, for example, the orphan uh, drug um, uh, space in relation to the requirement for HTAs to show flexibility when they're appraising value when levels of evidence are perhaps uh, not, uh, not, as more, not as significant as they are in more chronic conditions um, in terms of clinical trial size, clinical trial duration. We have very, very similar um, issues in the, in the diagnostic space. Um, uh, so in terms of running clinical trials to uh, understand overall survival in an oncology population is sometimes not really possible uh, because of the duration and the size of the size of the clinical trial trials that are required. Um, 
and therefore um, there needs to be or there is there is a level of education and, and a level of awareness raising with decision makers that copy pasting um, HDA processes for uh, medicines just to advance diagnostics are really are really not the uh, are really not the right way forward, and that's where this group has come together to develop some uh, some material to to support a, a dialogue around that around that point. So what what does that create from a European perspective? Um, it, where we have where we have this need for further education, it, 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 we have a lack. Of, we have less investment or less capital going into company formation in the, in this space, um, and that has been quite dramatic. That has become quite dramatic over the last three to four years, uh, where we compare different uh, different geographies around around the world, and we we really want to slow that, or we want to close that divide between Europe and, and other parts of uh, other parts of the world. Thank you, Ben. And, and um, Matthias, anything to add on your end? I mean, maybe on, on this, you know, disconnect between, you know, the numerous benefits um, um, they can bring and, and, and how difficult it is to have, um, you know, to have proper market access, Matthias. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you, Laura. I think uh, what we've experienced over the past months, and, and I, I see this whenever I talk to, to members, whenever I, I talk to other people as well that are you know, policy makers or decision makers, they, 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 always, they also say this, that there's a, there's a lack of, um, I think, just a basic understanding of how these technologies work. And I would not blame anyone. I think these these are very highly complex technologies and it takes a lot of, there's a lot of, um, uh, uh, there's a bit of a, uh, a gap there, a barrier that you have to pass in order to, to really understand them. Uh, so when we when we speak about the benefits of these technologies, it is, uh, we're being fully aware that a lot of people, they, they might not be that familiar with, with really what do advanced diagnostics do and how do they actually benefit patients in healthcare systems and that of course comes back around when you're then testing these technologies you need to be aware of what are you actually measuring what is the positive impact on 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 the users patients or on on the healthcare system that we then want to to look at okay why why would we want to invest in these developing having further innovation in this area in these technologies that's then you need to look at at, at the specific value that they bring Thank you, Matthias. And, um, yeah, Ben. Yeah. And Laurent, I think a really, a really interesting case study that the company I'm working at today is is, uh, is called Gardens Health. is is one of the leading companies in a, in an area called liquid biopsy, um, which is effectively taking a blood draw from a patient and uh, to understand the tumor um, development, uh, the genetic basis of the tumor, which uh, which the current practice is effectively to take a a, a, a biopsy from the from the actual tumor tissue, and there are numerous benefits in terms of um, of take to the patient and to the healthcare system around taking taking a, a, a blood sample in terms of time for the t- turnaround time for the diagnostic results and uh, and and of course it's much less invasive and uh, uh, and and there are not the limitations in terms of amount of material that can be that can be then can be then used for 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 genetic sequencing and and very interestingly if we if we if we look at the current status with lung cancer the medical guidelines or the international medical guidelines for uh, genotyping um, for patients with lung cancer um, recommends that seven genes be genotyped to support a decision on on to which targeted therapy a patient should be uh, should be put on, and interestingly, these targeted therapies um, are uh, approved have been approved at uh, are being approved at different time 
frames in the US and uh, and in Europe, as, as we know, in terms of how the EMA and the FDA operate. And you can imagine then what happens from a reimbursement standpoint in terms of the delay to negotiations. Um, so we have a situation where we have a technology which is available today, which can support appropriate patient selection to get onto a targeted therapy, which has dramatic impacts on outcomes for patients. But yet, uh, as an average across Europe, uh, and in many also other countries, not, not just Europe, but you know, less than 10 or 10 to 15% of patients are actually only being fully genotyped. Um, and so we have a real, real uh, dramatic difference here in technology available today, which has dramatic benefits and outcomes. Um, but the reality is, is, uh, is challenged because of, because of limitations in, uh, in regulatory, or not limitations, but, uh, but just differences in, in timelines around, uh, around processes and procedures for, for decisions. And yeah. may, perhaps I could come in here, uh, Ben, because I think you, you you draw a perfect parallel here. And, and, and uh, I think earlier, Laurent, you mentioned uh, COVID-19. Uh, and, and it's only now, if you look at COVID-19 and, and, and the experience that we have on, on the side of, of therapies or, or vaccines, we have experienced that we can actually speed up a lot of these regulatory pathways. We can make them more efficient. We can actually bring these technologies to patients when we need them. And uh, I think we we're also seeing a sort of a similar lesson being learned right now when it comes to diagnostics and COVID-19, where there's such a large awareness now of the just the value of, of a diagnostic test, of just getting tested for COVID-19, but also for, for these types of advanced diagnostics, because you're able to, to track variants. And, and you saw a few months ago that the European Union uh, issued a recommendation to member states to really scale up uh, the, uh, the ability and the capacity to carry out uh, uh, testing uh, of these to 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 really attract the, the the development of the of COVID nineteen variants. Mm. Mm. So Depends. so so this just speaks to the to to the the, uh, the the larger changes that are needed in healthcare systems to to bring on this. Yeah, thank you, Matthias. Uh, I think it's it's a it's a wonderful segue to my next question. I mean, how can we really ensure that uh, advanced diagnostics um, will be available to patients. So basically, we, we now have discussed a little bit the hurdles we have seen. What do we see or what do we recommend uh, um, as UCO to policymakers to really make um, those advanced diagnostics more available to patients? Ben, maybe you have some, some ideas on, on this. Thanks, Laurent. I think, so as you said, COVID um, and the pandemic has really shone a light on, on, on the importance of a well-functioning and well-capitalized diagnostics ecosystem. So I think the first point is is to um, think through how um, governments and uh, and and uh, and funding uh, groups and, and organisations can foster um, an R and D ecosystem uh, for advanced diagnostics. So what what type of capital risk uh, programs are available? which can be supported by governments, um, which um, remove or, or, or which manage or which share some of the, some of the risk in, in investing in these, in these technologies and in these companies. I think secondly, um, how can we work together with uh, regulators and with payers uh, to ensure we've got speedy uh, regulatory pathways? And companion diagnostics are, are a really interesting example where we have a pharmaceutical which is defined by a regu- generally by a regulatory pathway 
supported by the centralized procedure provider, supported by the European Medicines Agency. But a diagnostic is uh, is a regulatory procedure is is managed by the IVD and soon to be the IVDR. These are these are different uh, these are different regulatory pathways, and we need to find a way to support dialogue between the pharmaceutical regulators and the notified bodies the pharmaceutical sponsor and the diagnostics company to ensure that uh, to ensure that we have a speedy uh, appraisal of both the pharmaceutical and the diagnostic. Beyond that, the reimbursement paradigm, which we've just discussed, there are some emerging um, uh, discussions or improved uh, improved discussions taking place in in uh, in countries such as Germany and the UK, where where we have both a, a time limited approach to appraising uh, the value of a, of, a, of a diagnostic intervention, but we also need to have more bespoke and fit-for-purpose methodology. So what is the appropriate either cost-effectiveness methodology or budget impact methodology, uh, quality of life and so forth, which are, which are more attuned to um, the unique situation that, uh, that diagnostics find themselves, uh, find themselves in. And then I think more broadly, how can we work together with the clinical community to uh, support education and, uh, and how, for example, we talked about the international medical guidelines. How do we translate those into international medical guidelines as quickly as possible? Um, ESMO has just recently, I believe, announced that they will be establishing a liquid biopsy group, which is, which is really, really good news. And, and, and again, and, and perhaps more broadly, how do we, as a di- as the diagnostic sector, which is a, a, a much smaller sector than than pharma, but there, I think there are a lot of learnings in terms of how the pharmaceutical industry has communicated the value of uh, value of therapies, the value of medicines. Uh, there are some nascent efforts in the in the diagnostic space uh, to communicate the value of diagnostics information, and I think we all need to partner to do to do more of that and support a broader understanding of. Uh, of the value of these uh, about the value of these technologies so so communications activities like this podcast are going to be essential moving forward as well Thank you, Ben, and, and I, I mean, I agree with you, and I, what I take from, from your process indeed, I mean, we need more flexible pathways and also maybe a more fit-for-purpose assessments. Um, Matthias, very, maybe very quickly, because uh, we are now approaching the end of the podcast, but do, do, you, do you have anything to add to what Ben said? No, I, I, I think I, I fully support everything that Ben said, and, and I just wanted to, to add as well that what we will be, be doing now in, in, in the coming months is, is mm-hmm. trying to really create a, a dialogue. I mean, you've been able to listen to us now and we'd very much like it if, if you reach out to us if, if you're interested in this topic I mean we are very open to to discuss it and 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 yeah we, we would really like to, to to create a larger dialogue around around the value of these technologies and then work together on, on breaking down the barriers uh, so so they can become become more of a, of a reality uh, in Europe uh, to have a supporting ecosystem. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much, Ben and, and Matthias, for your time um, with us today. I hope this podcast gave a better idea of what are advanced diagnostics and the challenges the EU is facing in this field. If you want more information, please go to our website and visit our section on diagnostics, where you can also find the UCOP white paper. And with that, I wish you all the best and hope to connect soon on Sounds of Science. Have a good day and see you soon. Bye, Ben. Bye, Matthias. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.